This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense is powered by Sun Life Malaysia. Good morning, you're tuned in to Ring In Sense, the show all about personal finance. I'm Wong Xiaoning. As we ring in the new year, it's time to assess your financial situation and establish goals for the upcoming year, especially if you're about to be handed a large sum of money. Joining me to discuss this is Stephen Yong, Licensed Financial Planner, Wealth Vantage Advisory. Thank you for joining us, Stephen, and a happy new year to you too. Now, as we start the new year, and in, I think one of the th- key things to do is to have that financial checklist. Now, what should it be? What should the fi- checklist consist of to ensure that we have a strong financial footing? Hi, Shaoning. Happy New Year. And definitely, as we look into the New Year, it's definitely helpful to look at how we're looking at with the brand new 366 days, really, to be looking at for 2024. I would actually suggest, as we look at our financials as our checklist, to actually focus on three portions. One portion on sustainability. That means talking about your backup funds, your risk management. One portion on growth. That means investing into the future for future yourself and your loved ones. And another portion on legacy, on estate planning, just to make sure that if anything does, happen unexpectedly that we're all prepared for ourselves and our loved ones. Okay, is there a ratio then in terms of how we should allocate our resources to these three criteria of sustainability, growth and of course legacy? Sure. I would actually say it's more of a checklist heading uh, upwards, actually. That means you want to start with a solid base at the very triangle of having that sustainability or backup funds. Yeah. So if you don't have your backup funds or emergency savings in place, you definitely want to be building that up. Mm-hmm. I know a common rule of thumb thrown about is that six-month buffer, but it really does depend on your scenario. If you're single, you have no, no dependence, you could do with just as low as three months of backup funds. But if there's, for example, a risk of you know, job instability, if you are worries of a recession, pay cut, job losses, you might want to be doing 12 months, 18 months or more. And if you're a retiree, you might want to be holding 24, 36 months in case there's still you know, any market downturns or corrections looking ahead as well. Okay. Other things to be looking at as well would be, for example, a key issue for many would also be debt as well. What is actually your debt service ratio? Are you spending more than 35% of your income just repaying all the various loans, credit cards, home loans, etc. in place? And for growth, you should be looking at that savings investment ratio. Now, it sometimes comes as a surprise that when we say if you're seriously looking towards achieving financial freedom, you need to be saving at least 40% of your income. But the good thing is that if you're an employee, your EPF already takes care about 20% of that, which means you just have to save or invest about 20% of your further income ahead. And lastly, on the legacy would be the estate plan. So for that, I would say that we really don't know, only God knows how long each one of us has here. So do look at it no matter what age you are. I'm sure you've heard people even in their 20s, 30s, 40s suddenly passing away. So you mm. wouldn't want to make sure all that is in place and it's surprisingly affordable. Yeah, so it could be something as simple as when it comes to your EPF, naming who are the beneficiaries, uh, clearly state that, your intentions. And of course, another way is, uh, well, you should also, in addition to that, have your will, I presume. That will make probate much easier for your estate. 
That's right as well. And thanks for bringing up shouting on EPF as well. So yes, you should do have your, have your EPF nominations. A note as well of, for Muslims that the EPF nomination is actually as a wasi or executor, not as the beneficiary. So you would want to take note of that. Mm-hmm. And even if you do have your nominations done in your EPF, we would suggest considering putting it into your will in case for whatever reason the EPF nomination doesn't go through or the person has also passed away, at least you have that backup put into your will as well. Okay, so Stephen, let's take a step back. What are the things you should actually assess before you come up with that financial checklist and where you have like what you say that that triangle of the three important criteria what are the things you should actually consider is it the amount of savings you have your income for example your assets what what should uh, uh, be on the top of your mind sure you would want to be looking at because Personal finances is definitely on the personal side when it comes to looking at yourself and your money. And for everyone, it's different. So it doesn't matter how much or how little your income, etc. is, but more of your own personal circumstances itself. So for example, if let's say you're having a 10K monthly income, then you should be looking at, okay, what is your expenses? So ideally, you want to keep all your expenses, including all your or your food, or your needs, wants, groceries, debt repayments below 60% of your income. So looking at the ratio, all your spending should be below 6000 per month. And then looking at what are your regular expenses. So if your regular expenses is that same 6K a month, then you need if you need six months of backup funds, that means you should have at least 36000 knowing you have that certainty, no matter what happens, just like some view it as a mountain behind you that if anything happens to you you would have that six months back up and you don't have to worry yeah I would like a very big mountain like Everest ideally (laughs) but you know last year and the last few years actually inflation has been you know quite quite high and it continues to eat into our uh, or at least cost uh, it has actually resulted in higher cost of living pressures for a lot of us. So how can we then prepare for probably what will continue to rise in 2024, especially since the government is already warning us that subsidy rationalisation is on the cards? That's true, definitely with the subsidy rationalisation, the increase to SST that was announced in the budget as well. So you will want to be looking at that holistically as well because it would affect different things in different ways. For example, officially, the inflation rate has been going down even in Malaysia over the last year. And in the States as well, we're looking mm-hmm. at the facts, the rate cuts, etc. are happening. But certain things are still going up. Yes. Johnny, you mentioned the subsidy rationalisation. Food expenses has been going up. Almost, education uh, costs never Education costs, yes, that's you know, 7 8 percent a year mm. food is also going up about seven eight percent every half a year yes healthcare is going up as well so there is no way that you can 100 percent prepare for it but what you can do is making sure you have that buffer so our suggestion is you won't want to have that buffer of a cushion of 10 percent to allow for expenses to increase or at a minimum a thousand ringgit in addition to whatever you have just built in into your budget in case you know, inflation goes up, in, face, in case things go up, you do have that buffer to basically cushion that shock. And Stephen, for some of this, you know, some of the lucky ones out there, they may actually have saved more money than they planned or, you know, because it is year end, some may have received a windfall bonus from um, their companies. So what are your recommendations on making the most of this extra cash, this non-recurring extra cash? Sure. So whenever you get a bonus or windfall, I'll say first thing you have to do to yourself is pat yourself on the back, give yourself a reward. Not right now and spend it, right? Not yet. 
<laughs> but you know, look and see what what are the things that you really enjoy both for yourself, your loved ones. You may want to have you know certain funds set aside for travel or or just to spend on loved ones as a gift, or maybe some electronic gadgets if that's what you're into. So do reward yourself because that helps propel you forward. That is very positive, uh, financially, emotionally, psychologically as well. But yes, you don't want to be allocating everything just for enjoyment do look to allocate part of that into investments and for how you do that that really comes down to an individual basis as well because there's five major asset allocations as we know whether it's into cash and its equivalents into fixed income into equities into property and alternative investments so you need to be looking at yourself what are the areas that you're actually lacking at maybe you're very into property you have not really invested into equities whether it's the stocks ETFs etc you might want to be looking to get more exposure into that or maybe you don't have any alternative investments and that's an area to explore whether it's things like gold, precious metals or even cryptocurrencies just to look into that. So you would want to have this extra firepower that you have, mm-hmm. your bonus coming in just to allocate that. One thing you don't want to do though is don't just sit on it in cash. Don't just let it sit in your savings accounts which earns really paltry returns. At least in the meantime while you're figuring it out, put it into a fixed deposit or higher savings account or into money market fund so at least it's generating for you that 3-4% to returns. But I suppose the Number one is to also know your risk appetite, right? So before you make that investment, because you want to actually get the right investment for you, you have to look, I suppose, in terms of so the investment horizon, how long do you think you don't need that cash for? And I think knowledge is the other part investors probably need to equip themselves with more and more before deciding that this is really the right product for them or this is the right investment for them. Am I correct? That, that is totally right, Shaoning. Uh, you definitely need to be invest in yourself. And really for Malaysians, uh, many of us, how we invest is very like that fruit rojak. Mm. It's that rojak where everything is just mixed together. Maybe we read something online or an agent or a friend approaches and we just have investments here and there. When ideally what you want to do is have that perfect picture how your investments should look like. Analogy would be like a jigsaw puzzle that you played with as a child. Have that perfect picture how your investments should look like linking to your appropriate risk level, what's your horizon, then only all find the right pieces to really fit into your own investment profile and just build that up. Yeah. Now, at the same time, many HR companies are saying that, you know, we could get at least a 5% wage increment this year. So if you're one of those lucky ones, or maybe you get an increment of even more than 5%, you had a you had a promotion, you have 15, 20, 30%, or you did you changed jobs. What's your advice for after getting a salary raise. Once again, I, I presume it's not run out and spend that money. That's totally true. Enjoy the moment, but don't go crazy. Sometimes when we think, oh, we have a 5% increment and then we end up buying a car that ends up taking a 20% increase in our expenses and that totally doesn't make sense. So what you want to do is to avoid lifestyle spending cream. You can still spend, but make sure it's proportionate as well of looking at how much debt that you currently have, how if you're looking to change a new car or any other expenses, that's totally fine. But at the end of the day, the key thing is that you still need to keep your savings investments to 20% of your income. So the first thing to do with a pay increase is to up or increase your savings investment amounts and then look at how you can actually allocate the rest. And if you don't have that buffer that we were talking about, that minimum 10% or 1K, is a good time to start building in that buffer just to cushion in any unexpected increases in expense. I've been speaking to Stephen Yong, Licensed Financial Planner, Wealth Vantage Advisory. We'll be taking a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9. Stay tuned for Ringgit and Cents. Powered by Sun Life Malaysia. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Wong Xiaoning. Today we'll be discussing a new you 
new financial resolutions. Joining me to discuss this is Stephen Yong, Licensed Financial Planner, Wealth Vantage Advisories. Now, Stephen, should we... We mentioned the, the, the chance of getting that, that salary increase. And you did say, you know, put it, put some money aside because you've got that three guiding principles of growth, sustainability and investments. Where does rewarding yourself come into? <laughs> because life would be rather sad if you just always just worked and saved and put aside money. At what point do you think, okay, this is reasonable that I get to enjoy myself a little bit? After all, we all want to live a little bit, but what's the balance? All right, this may sound a little bit paradoxical, but you, when you actually start off with paying yourself first and you make sure that, hey, you pay yourself first and you can basically spend everything else and you're totally fine because you have actually saved and invested for future you. And then secondly, just to make sure that you don't take on too much debt because otherwise those debts can easily start piling up and affect your cash flow on a monthly basis. Other than that, yeah, you can actually feel free to actually go ahead and spend the rest and not worry about it. And the truth is for most people, once you start paying yourself first once you control your expenses keep that in check often it becomes the reverse actually that you find that hey it's so difficult to get myself spending more because I'm so used to spending at this level mm. so then you'll be looking at okay where can you actually cut loose a little bit don't have to tighten your belt so much and this is where you can actually spend more but start first with paying yourself first and the rest will naturally fall into place what if you're unfortunately no matter how hard you work not earning enough to cover all your expenses because the cost of living pressure is just so high, maybe your rent or your housing loan is high. At what point do you say, you know, what are your options? Now, that can be a loaded question and it is true that you really can't plan your way mm. out of a difficult situation when it comes to your finances, especially when it comes to, you know, not having enough income. So what you need to realise is based on where you are, whether you have children, what are your other commitments, maybe to parents, etc., that this is the minimum income level that you need and this is the ideal income level that you have. So the thing is that I believe that human beings are actually very resilient once we know that, yes, this is the income level that we actually need, we will find the ways and means to actually get there, whether it's starting a side hustle, whether it's you know getting a promotion or changing jobs. But it really starts first with having that realization that this is the level that I need to be at and then we will find a way to get there. And are there specific occasions or situations that should prompt a reassessment of our monthly budget, be it whether to expand it or decrease it? Well definitely shouting. Right, excuse me. <clears throat> <clears throat> well, definitely shouting. Various life changes can definitely affect our budget and how we look at it. This will be major things such as having a promotion, a career change, especially if you're looking to move out of Malaysia to move somewhere else, whether it's in Singapore, Australia, or somewhere else in the world. Migration, getting married, getting a divorce, having children, all of that would definitely affect your finances very significantly. And you don't want to be doing that once it's already happened. In fact, once you're even thinking of it as a possibility, whether that's six months, 12 months into the future, you should already start looking at scenario planning. How would all these changes actually happen? And the key thing to note is that it's, there are still going to be expenses that are recurring. For example, even if you move to another country, you will still have expenses in Malaysia that still need to be paid, still need to be ongoing. And then you have another new set of expenses in another country as well. So you need figuring it out and juggling that on multiple fronts as well. So Stephen, after all this great advice, someone might be thinking to themselves, okay, I should really embark on this. But where does the person start if they are really a newbie when it comes to financial planning? Of course, they can meet 
professionals like yourself, but what are the other options out there? Well, the great thing is with how connected we are in the world nowadays, there's actually a wealth of information out there. Yeah, uh, One of the top personal finance sites, and I'm just going to show myself here, is that it's mypf.my. So go ahead and check it out. There's a lot of free resources, a lot of free articles. So that's a great way just to get that overall understanding. For many people, it can sound like Greek when you start, but do know that that's totally okay. So when you start reading, whether it's financial sites or even pick up uh, publications just, just to read that are related on finances, at first, it may not make 100% sense. And that's totally okay. It's the same for everyone. But over time, you'll start see seeing how it actually all links together, how it makes sense, and you'll slowly, gradually grow and learn from there. And financial resolutions, you know, we all start with them with the best of intentions at the beginning of the year. But how do we know that we are setting realistic and achievable goals? You know, when it when does it when should it like at what point do we tell ourselves, okay, this makes sense and then this doesn't make sense? Sure. So you will want to start with having that big goal or that big picture in mind. And I would suggest as well, just focus on one key goal instead of trying to spread yourself too thin. For example, if you don't have backup goals, you know, you might want to focus on just building that first, that three, six, 12 month backup. If you're drowning in bad debt, focus on clearing off all that high interest debt. Or if you're already headed towards financial independence, work out then what's that achievable goal that you want to achieve with your investment portfolio and how you'll get there from your EPF contributions, your existing investments growth, any dividends, etc., mm. as well as new investments. And once you have the big picture goal, break it down into manageable pieces. That's 12 months in a year. That's approximately four weeks in a, in a month. Just break them down into very manageable pieces. And one key thing as well is just don't compare with others. It's really not a race. And it can very, be very demotivating if you're comparing with someone who has been doing this for, say, 10, 20, 30 years. You know, everyone has different scenarios, different circumstances as well. And of course, you know, with every resolution, sometimes you fall off the wagon. You know, you tell yourself, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to save more money, and you don't. And then you feel bad and you feel almost demoralized. But what's the advice? Just keep going. Don't feel bad. It's never too late to start. Well, it's related to just breaking that goal down into manageable pieces. So for example, if you have dropped off your goal in a month, go in and look, hey, it's the next month, it's a new month, it's time again to just restart afresh. Don't worry about what has actually happened in the past. What's more important to actually look ahead into the future and try your best to make it for this month. But if it's really needed, if you find that you have set goals which are too ambitious for yourself, don't be too hard on yourself. You can actually adjust your goals a little bit as you go along as well. All right, because nothing is written in stone, right? It's uh, um, That's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to Stephen Yong, Licensed Financial Planner, Wealth Vantage Advisory. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10 a.m. News Bulletin coming up next, followed by my colleagues at Enterprise. I'm Wong Xiaoning from The Morning Run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense was powered by Sun Life Malaysia. Insure to ensure today. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.